0: everybody. It's Allie. And welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, December 18th. Can we just please start out here by talking about Ms. Nikki Newman. Or actually, no, I, I should call her Ms. Nikki Sharp. <laughs> girl is a train wreck. She is a disaster area. Someone should declare a national disaster area just in the vicinity around her. She's that messed up right now. She's back in town after, at the end of last week's shows, she had just run off to Vegas to marry Deacon. And now she's back in Genoa City kind of acting like no one has a right to ask questions, uh, or just sort of almost brushing the whole marriage thing under the carpet. Just, it's like the drinking thing has overshadowed the fact that she just married Deacon, which I suppose is, in reality, just a symptom of the problem, not the actual problem itself. But I'm thinking the entire time, Nikki... Explain yourself to people. It's one thing that you had to marry the creep, but you don't have to keep up the lie to all of your friends and family. You don't have to lie to Catherine or Victoria or, or Nick or Victor. She goes to see Victor in jail. And she this, as soon as she walks in, she says to him, Victor, I can explain. Yet she doesn't. And Victor doesn't press either. He asks no questions, such as, I don't know, what in the hell were you thinking? I mean, it's clearly a blackmail situation that no one is wanting to talk about or ask about or press. It's just, it's, it's, it really truly is just a complete disaster. And I, I'm, I just can't help thinking, don't let Deacon get away with this. Nikki, there's no reason why you have to, I just, I, I'm shocked that the marriage happened in the first place. I'm shocked that she just went along with it without asking any questions, without bothering to verify Deacon's story. She just went along with this terrible, terrible marriage decision, and I, I'm sure it's all a function of her just being sloppy, drunk, all over the place. She is making so many scenes. I'm surprised that she has not gotten thrown out of the athletic club yet, because on more than one occasion, she has been slopping around the dining room, passing out on the floor, getting into fights. She got into an argument with Sharon this week, which was lovely. I mean, the the essence... (laughs) of Nikki right now, is so hilarious to me, and it's gonna get old. If this continues to go on within the next couple weeks, it's gonna get more and more old, but right now, it is very funny, because she had this frank discussion with Sharon who's like trying to get trying desperately to get Victor off the hook and to try to get to the bottom of the murder mystery as well so that she can get him off the hook but Sharon comes into the dining room and starts pressing Nikki who's got a flask in her purse when she could just as easily order from the bar she's or, or go upstairs to her room she's got a little flask in her purse that she pours vodka into and just drinks freely at the table and she starts talking uh, to Sharon basically saying you know, I've never liked you. I had you pegged from the beginning as a gold digger. The gold digger that you are. It's just, the performance Melody by Melody Thomas Scott is dead on and there's just it's there's a there's an element of comedy to it that I just can't, I can't help but laugh at but it was a very interesting scene between these two and Nikki just giving it to Sharon she actually called her she just referred to her as you disgusting slut <laughs> I couldn't believe it it was so nasty. And then just as she, you know, tries to get away from Sharon and, and walk away, Sharon presses her one more time, and Nikki just knocks Sharon and back into a table, like knocking glasses and plates off of this table in the Athletic Club dining room, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm shocked that nobody has called security on her yet. She's out of control, and it doesn't matter if she's Nikki Newman or if she's a guest at the hotel. I'm very surprised that she hasn't been kicked out of there yet. But um, she's just causing so many scenes. She came back later into the dining room, fell down on the floor drunk in front of Nick and Adam. And it's just, oh, it's making her look so bad. And again, um, again, if this continues to go on, I'm going to be really annoyed. Because this isn't how I wanted to have my Melody Thomas Scott back on the show. She is, it's, I'm... We just seem to see Nikki get her life back together. That's the that's the, the the one thing I'm really looking forward to. I mean, well, there's a million things I'm looking forward to getting to the end of this Diane murder mystery, but I, I just, I, I wanted Melody Thomas Scott on the show back so bad, and it had been months and months of Nikki being in rehab, and I was so hoping that she would come back with some sort of new lease on life, and she's worse than ever. She is kind of turning her back on her uh, her family or turning her back on her friends, and it's just it's it's getting it's getting to be really really sad to me and we have deacon who is crawling around slithering around on the scene as well just causing trouble in general he's he's acting like he is her beloved husband now which makes me want to throw up <laughs> except that again there is a comedy element that i'm enjoying because uh, Deacon just is such a scumbag, and the actor Sean Kanan just plays it so right. He just, I, I believe that Deacon is the the biggest scumbag uh, uh, opportunist that has you know uh, ever slithered his way onto the screen. I'm totally believing it, and. I have got to admit, the scene between Nick and Deacon, the fight, was so good. So good this week. Because Nick... Comes charging into the athletic club dining room, realizes that not only is his mother married to this man, but she's drinking again and, you know, wanting to be able to save her. He tr- confronts Deacon, and Deacon just so, so smugly just starts pushing all of Nick's buttons, you know, saying, Hey, is that any way for you to talk to your stepfather? Or wait, maybe you just should call me Papa instead. <laughs> (laughs) And Nick just hauled up and punched him right in his smug, smug face. It was so, so good. I enjoyed it. Tremendously. But Nick has every right to start questioning this situation. Victoria should be question this, questioning this Questioning situation. Catherine should be more in there. Like, I want everyone to just grab Nikki and just get her out of this terrible mess that she's created for herself. Please, somebody knock her over the head with a chair or something. <laughs> just drag her out and get her back into rehab. Or, or who cares, hold her hostage or something. Get her out of this situation because it is so uh, harming her. It's harming her physically, mentally, emotionally. It's harming her reputation. And it's so clear to us as sober-minded viewers that Deacon is lying about this entire situation with Victoria. Deacon told Nikki that he was at the park that night and he that she couldn't have killed Diane because he saw the whole thing, and in, in in his in his version of the story, it was Victoria brutally murdering Diane and Nikki trying to save her, and so Nikki's married to Deacon just so that Deacon won't go out and tell this story about Victoria. But uh, it, it's it's becoming increasingly clear that that entire thing is just a lie. I mean, Victoria just figured out, started putting the pieces together that Victor was covering for. Or what he thought was something that Nikki did. So, clearly Victoria and Nikki were not even at the park in this, at the same time. So, that whole situation, that, that entire scene that Deacon presented, n- never happened! Not to mention the fact that Nikki comes, or Nikki starts talking to Victoria, who comes to her hotel suite, and Nikki's saying to Victoria, don't worry, your dad and I are gonna protect you. Don't worry, you know, we, we're not gonna let the truth get out about what you did. And Victoria's looking at her mother saying, I don't know who you think I am, or what's going on in your demented mind right now, but I did not kill Diane. And the, the the one little light starts to dawn in Nikki's brain, and it's kind of like, well, this is sort of what you get for just going along with what Deacon said in the first place. Did it not even occur to you to, I don't know, double check his story? Meanwhile, in prison, Victor is just sitting in that waiting room, having a good old time, reading his newspaper, while people traipse in and out to come see him. I keep thinking... Eric Braden must have been so bored that week All he had to do was sit in that one chair all week with his newspaper As they just brought in different actors to come in and act with him Adam and Michael and Sharon several times And Nikki and Dick and and everyone Just coming in and out talking to him Trying to jog some sense into him Trying to get him to not ruin his life By falsely confessing to a crime that he did not commit However, that did absolutely no good. Victor is on his path. He has decided that he's going to take the rap for this entire thing. Oh, and Jack coming in to talk to him. You know, bringing in the reality to Victor that now Kyle, this child that he has cared about, believes that Victor's the one who killed his mother. I, nothing is going to stop Victor from this path, though. Uh, very, very surprisingly, he 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 believes that he's doing the right thing for his family. He believes he's doing the right thing for Nikki. And someone did make the comment to me last week that it seems as if the writers are trying to kind of whitewash everything that Victor did with Billy right now by having him be the savior for Nikki, and it's not working. I I I have no insight to what Victor is thinking. I I said it last week. I'm saying it again. If I had any kind of insight into what was going on emotionally with Victor, then I think it would be a different story. Maybe I would be like, Oh, This is really sweet of him. He's caring about Nikki. But but it's I I want to hear him talking. I want him to open up to somebody. Even if it's just, you know, a scene of him talking inside of his head or talk thinking to himself or whatever. I need something more to have some more compassion for him. So if they're trying to whitewash it, they're at least not doing that great of a job. I need more. But it's it it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter because this is all just it's all falling apart. The Judge decided that she is now going to accept Victor's guilty plea, so Victor tr- tr- tromps on in for round two of his trial, and without a blink of an eye, the judge just sentences him twenty-five to life for his confession to uh, to murdering Diane in a particularly brutal, brutal way, so now uh, Victor's had his trial. Thank goodness at least that didn't get drugged out. But Victor's had his trial. And at the very, very end of Friday's show, Victoria and Nikki, who has just now kind of realized the Deacon's a liar. Huh, 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 What do you know? Deacon's a liar. Um, They both kind of bust into the courtroom and Nikki shouts out, No! You can't sentence him! He didn't do this! I got a feeling she's going to be held in contempt of court (laughs) and get her butt thrown into (laughs) jail where she probably belongs so that she can sober up. But, the again, the Diane murder mystery... I'm I'm glad to know that I'm not alone. I want to thank everybody who commented last week to let me know that I'm not alone and feeling that this is being dragged out beyond recognition. But after I did uh, my vlog last week, I, uh, I and I read all of your comments and everything. That night, I went to bed and I had a dream. <laughs> where the the whole thing was laid out for me. Like, exa- like, I, in my dream, went to the scene and saw exactly what happened to Diane. And in my dream, Diane, and I'm increasingly believing this, Diane was still alive. Increasingly, I believe that that's the case. If, if, She's not alive, then I think Patty killed her. But I don't know. I, it's part of me just says, you know what? This is probably all a red herring. And I had never really processed the whole issue of the poison or the drug that was found in her system. I don't know how you say it. it was, it's Snooker Lookin' or <laughs> Snooky Mookin' fall that's, <laughs> that's what we're going to call it. That's the name of the drug that was found in Diane's system Snooky Mookin' Um, So the Snooky Mookin' <laughs> Have served some kind of purpose. Why would someone inject Diane with that prior to bludgeoning her to death? And like part of me thinks, is it possible that that could have been a really obvious part of Diane's plan? Is it possible that Diane injected herself with that drug so that she would be paralyzed and appear to have been dead? Is that at all a possibility? That, that, whatever that drug was, could have slowed down her system to a point where they could have pronounced her dead and she wasn't actually dead. And then someone like, I don't know, Adam came in to whisk her away and, and off to safety. Uh, I, I just, I, 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 I can't help but think that at the end of all this, at the end of the day, we're just gonna end up seeing some kind of scene off on some island somewhere or uh, you know just somewhere in Europe there you know in a little a uh, little, little uh, hostel or something or whatever uh, who knows a private island who knows i i just have a feeling that one of these days we're going to see a scene of that blonde hair reading a book or reading a magazine or wa- reading a newspaper watching this whole thing down going down in Genoa city when she's been alive the whole time There's also the element of the new message from beyond the grave that has been sent via email to Ronan. So Ronan and Phyllis have decided to go rogue since Ronan was fired from the Force. Now, Ronan wants to still find out who it was that murdered Diane. And he received this email that was from Diane Jenkins, and the subject was, I think, a message from beyond the grave, and it was a video clip. It was a clip of Nikki lying in the grass, passed out with blood all over her, and the rock Sitting right next to her, and Phyllis, being the computer expert that she is, tried to trace the uh, email, and she was not able to. She found that it was that the email was sent through many international servers, which again just makes me think: Could Diane have done this whole thing on her own? Did I mean obviously someone was there videotaping the whole thing? I think Patty or Adam are both very likely and obvious suspects for that, but I just think that the person who would have the biggest motive from everything that's gone on and gone down now would be Diane, and I could completely see her videotaping this whole thing just to make it just so that all her enemies would get a little you know get some crap or have trouble i mean all of these people were Diane's enemies and i can just see her one upping them um at, you know at this point and i and i and again i just think that before Diane had died quote in quotes she was going through and getting all of her financial uh, ducks in a row she was buying a plane ticket she had a fake identity she was Ready to bring Kyle along with her, so there's no reason that she couldn't have still done that. Or someone else has also mentioned could Diane have had a twin? You know, I mean, because there's you know the element of the body. How how to how would she have faked that? But certainly Adam could have helped her with that. So I'm just I'm just wondering if she's. I mean, again, you look at the the two people have benef- who would have benefited the most from this. It would have been Diane, and it would have been Adam. I mean, Adams head honcho at Newman now, you know, he, and or he's very close to being head honcho at Newman. And again, he's watching all of his enemies. They, Diane and Adam, always had this mutual enemy thing going on. So those seem to be the two people who would have benefited most from this. And I just still can't help but wonder if if Diane is alive and well. And I hope that Ronan and Phyllis are able to uncover the truth. <sighs> Ronan and Phyllis, you know, Ronan didn't confront Phyllis this week about the article that she wrote in Wrestle style, which released information about his investigation, and he forgave her very, very quickly, which I kind of thought, like, wow, that would have been a different story if Ronan still had a job. If Ronan was still working on the case and Phyllis had done that, he would have been furious, their whole relationship would have been over right then and there. I mean, she betrayed him. she He flat out told her, don't publish this information. You can't tell anyone the things I'm telling you. I'm telling you these things in the privacy of a bed... And you can't go blabbing him. And she did. She not only blabbed it, she published it. So I'm very surprised that he just forgave her so quickly for that. But when you're having really good sex, sometimes it's very easy to get uh, sidetracked or to get blinders on. You know, sex-colored glasses. (laughs) And I'm trying to be balanced because I am very, very compelled by the sex scenes with Ronan and Phyllis. It is hot sex. It is hot sex. They are both very dynamic characters, and the scenes are just so real to me. I mean, every time that Ronan, like, tugs at his waist, the waist of his pants, or he'll, like, button back up or unbutton his pants, it Mm. It just it's it lights a fire in my crotch that no one else does. No one else on the show has done this for me in a while. Ronan hits a spot for me that it's 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 the it's my my mental G spot. I think <laughs> it's the spot. It's like ding 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 ding. And so I am very very compelled by their sex scenes together. But I do still feel like, and Michelle Suffer is hot. I want to make sure to say that, too, because she is, uh, looks good in all of these scenes. You know, she's either, you know, we're seeing these sexy sort of silhouettes of her back, or um, sometimes she's walking around in his apartment in his shirt, which I think is also very hot. So I, I, I want to also say that she's holding her own in that scene. I mean, she's bringing it. There's heat. There's heat. But (laughs) I also do want to say that there does feel like there's an element that is missing or could be better because when, where Ronan and Phyllis are concerned, there are no angels in this room. You know, I mean, when it's Ronan and Phyllis together, both of them are kind of bad boys and girls. It's naughty time. It's naughty, naughty on. But I feel like well, both, I feel like both Ronan and Phyllis, but specifically Ronan right now, have, there's something more in there. You know, there's, um, there's, a, there's a, a little sad boy in him, you know, that, that has been hurt throughout his lifetime and has, and has coiled up, you know, he's tightened up because he doesn't want to love because then he'll get hurt again. And with Chloe, for instance, I felt like she reached to that. You know, she reached in and she grabbed that out of him and she brought it right to the forefront. With Phyllis, it's just, it really feels like just sex to me. And it's good just sex, but it's not tender. It doesn't feel tender. And I am dying to see that side of Ronan. I want to see that side of Ronan. Um, a lot of people have mentioned, and I couldn't possibly agree more, that there is... Still hanging on the line, the relationship between him and his mother and his brother and what happened with the liver and, you know, what happened with his past, there's so much more than just sex that we haven't really had a chance to explore yet with him. And we're not possibly, it's it's entirely possible that we're not going to. Okay, everybody. I want everybody's attention. <laughs> if you've zoned out at any point, it's time to everybody bring, bring focus. Bring focus back because I have some news. I have some very important news for you all. Um, I don't want anyone to freak out. <laughs> uh, I want everyone to remain calm. Okay, because freaking out is not going to help us. It's not going to get us anywhere. It's not going to make the situation any better. Just uh, but brace yourself. Hang on to something. Put a chew toy in your mouth. Whatever you gotta do, there's news. Okay? (sighs) Jeff Branson is leaving (laughs) YNR. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Late on Friday, it was revealed through secretive means, through a, a tweet from Michelle Stafford, that Jeff Branson has decided to leave YNR. Not that he has been fired specifically. Specifically, that he is, had decided to leave. <gasps> Jeff Branson? You want to go off and, what, maybe do meaningful roles where you get meaty, meaty uh, material where you can show different sides of your personality, not just your excellent body and your hot, sexy voice and your whole general, uh, like, insatiably, like, insatiable sex urge? Like, you want more than that? (sighs) You're tired of just being a piece of meat? For soap opera viewers? What more could you really want? (laughs) You have devoted, loyal fans who will ogle you day after day and feed your ego, which let's face it, that's probably what you need. Probably what you crave more than anything. (sighs) I don't know what to say. I mean, I don't even know what what else to say. I am devastated. Devastated with this news. Why, I mean, like, uh, uh, and question, would it have made any difference if the writers would have taken things in a different direction? If he would have, for instance, gotten involved in a different type of storyline, would he have decided to stay? Um, Well, I have so many questions. I'm sure more is going to be revealed. I I mean, I'm sure he just wants to work on other projects, but that's not good enough for me. (laughs) That does not help me feel any better, okay, Jeff Branson? What are we going to do? What am I going to, like, how am I going to get my Jeff Branson fixed? Like, what am I going to do? I, he's probably, like, one of the sexiest guys on daytime, and, um, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. <laughs> Watch repeats, I guess. I guess all of these sex scenes will be in the vaults and then the annals of YouTube forever and ever for me to watch and drool over, uh, for the rest of my life. But, I, I mean, leave me a comment, you guys. Tell me what you're thinking, how you feel about him leaving the show. I'm really, really sad. Um, and, and I will, of course, update you as more information becomes available about this. So, uh, so, uh, let's, maybe we should start some kind of campaign tweet to him he is on twitter i i do follow him on twitter um tweet to him write him a letter tell him something on facebook tell him we need him <laughs> to stay maybe he'll change his mind or maybe he's just going to leave temporarily and come back <sighs> whatever it is i oh, i i i hope so i hope it is temporary i hope that he comes back because i i need him in me <laughs> Well, Avery decided to out her relationship with Nick this this week. She really had no choice. I mean, there was really no other way to do it because Sharon came to Avery and said Nick is trying to fight me for custody of Faith, and I would like you to represent me in this case. And Avery tried to wriggle out of it. She tried to make a couple of other little excuses, but, I mean, at the end of the day, she had to tell the truth. And I I really enjoyed that scene. I was pretty glued, because I was just waiting to see what Sharon's reaction would be. And I think that Avery, in some ways, was really anxious to see what Sharon's reaction was going to be. I mean, last week, Avery and Nick had this huge fight where, you know, she said to him, uh, kind of famously, you know, I, I knew that maybe you weren't over Phyllis, but you're not even over Sharon. And so, when Sharon's reaction came out as kind of, meh, I was, I mean, I think it said a lot. You know, I think Sharon was shocked, not expecting to see Nick with Avery, but boy, I tell you, I think Sharon is pretty over Nick at this point. I mean, he is, you know, trying to take her daughter away from her. <laughs> and that does tend to sour you against someone, you know, I suppose. But still, I, I just thought it was, it was very, very interesting. Um, and I think Avery, it was, I think that reassured her um, in her relationship with Nick. You know, I, 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 I I feel like I could like Avery and Nick down the road, but again, it kind of feels like a lot of the relationships that have developed lately on the show have been rushed. You know, again, I think I probably could have gotten into Ronan and Phyllis more if it were slightly a more, just a slightly a more slower boil um, and a little more emotional connection. And I, I feel similar about Avery and Nick. I, I mean, they seem like they would be a really good couple. They're attractive together. I think she's totally his type. I mean, Avery's like this great cross between Sharon and Phyllis. I mean, she's like a magic uh princess for, (laughs) for Nick. I'm sure he couldn't ask for anything more. But, I don't know. I just would have liked to have seen the connection a little, you know, dragged out a little bit more because, you know, I think with Nick it's just so very about sex. He's so very clearly confident in the fact that he's good in bed because even as Avery was raising questions about their relationship, Nick's response pretty much was like, "Oh yeah, well, but I'm good in bed." <laughs> Here's a big old kiss for you. What do you think about that? How does your what's with your reservations now? Mwah, mwah, mwah. And i that's not what I like to hear. I mean, Avery was raising real concerns, and Nick was just like, you know, waving his wiener <laughs> around at her, like, remember this? And um, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I I think that things could potentially develop in an interesting way. Uh, between Avery and Nick, uh, but I yeah I need something more. I need something more to really bring it home for me. What do you guys think? How are you feeling about Avery and Nick? How are you feeling about Nick lately? Are you still into him? Um, let me know your thoughts. Leave me a comment. I can't wait to read them. This has been a really difficult time for Genevieve. She's really kind of in a, a really... Like, she's in a growth place, you know? It's the end of one part of her life and the beginning of another and I think she's having a hard time putting the past behind her and truly opening herself up to the type of future that she could have she was very sad this week and she ran into Lily and Kane and of course Kane started by giving her the cold shoulder but Lily, who is just the warm part of him in this way, uh, sort of convinced him to reach out to Genevieve and there was actually um, a, a series of really nice scenes between Lily and Kane and Genevieve. They went over to Genevieve's house and just had some small talk. And, you know, Lily's trying to bridge the gap. And she says to Genevieve, hey, do you have any stories about Cain when he was a little kid? And Genevieve's like, I'll do you one better. I've got some pictures. And they start going through these pictures. And just one moment I thought was interesting was that Cain seemed surprised that Genevieve had pictures of him. Clearly, Cain feels like his mother didn't want him, didn't love him, didn't want to have anything to do with him. Because when he said that, you have pictures of me? Genevieve just looked at him and replied... Yes, Ethan, I have pictures of you. You are my son. It just almost like, I can't believe that you think that I wouldn't. So obviously there was a connection there at one point. It was never that Genevieve didn't love her children. It was just for some reason, I think, that Cain felt really isolated. You know, I think Colin was this really hard father. And he had this really intense brother and a really intense family situation, especially with his sister. I mean, his sister ended up dying in the family house shot by the brother uh, so it's you know he's had this tragic family background and I think that that's just really it's stuck in his head and he's not really been able to let it go I mean the death of his sister has clearly affected him in a huge way he's been um, carrying around this little picture of them this week and he's gone to the chapel and he's tried to pray to her and I think that you know Samantha probably the death of Samantha was what really changed that whole family dynamic and so in some ways I think Cain's kind of reaching out wishing that he could go back in time wishing that he still had a sister to provide wisdom I mean if the sister hadn't died so many things um, along his path wouldn't have taken place of course they probably wouldn't have it probably wouldn't have led him to Lily so um, but I think that Cain is still in this place where he's missing his sister And uh, also in the chapel this week, praying to God, was Billy. And there's this part of me that's wondering if there's not still kind of a connection here. Because Billy is not really over everything that happened in Myanmar. Clearly, he's feeling like he's not worthy because something more happened. I mean, there was that chase where, you know, something happened between Billy and the girl in the beach in Myanmar, and Kane went to try to find her, but never really did find her. She gave him the slip. And I'm just wondering if it's possible that the girl in Myanmar could possibly be Samantha, and it sort of seems like that that part of the storyline has been left for just a little bit but i think that there's still more to explore there so i'm i'm kind of curious to see if that's where it would go i mean that would change kane's life that would change genevieve's life especially now that she is trying to move on <clears throat> She's getting all excited because it's Christmas time with her new man, and she's in love. And we've also got Patty sneaking around in the background hating that Genevieve is seeing Jack. Jack is, is Patty's man, and she's hating every bit of this. And this week, Jack proposed... Genevieve. And I was kind of wishing, though, that he would have waited for a more romantic moment, because basically, he proposed to her while they were both sitting naked on the couch after having sex. <laughs> and I don't know if any girl really wants to be proposed to right after sex. I mean, I would, like, it probably would have been better to set up the romantic moment. Jack was like, I was gonna wait until Christmas, but I decided to do it now. And I'm thinking, you should have maybe waited until Christmas. <laughs> But, of course, Patty overheard this whole thing and she's angry about it. She she went to the chapel this week also to tell God that she's having a really hard time liking Genevieve. She wants to hate her. So, clearly Genevieve is in danger for her life and I'm sure Jack will be the one to end up saving her. But in the meantime, I still can't help feeling like... How can Jack not know that this is Patty. How can he not be putting together the pieces on this? I mean, when when she answered the ph- Jack called the house this week and Patty answered the phone in in Emily's voice. And I mean, shouldn't he have heard that and and recognized it? And, and couldn't he possibly be putting the pieces together on this right now? I just, especially with Emily in town, that should be jogging his memory. He should have that in, in the front of his mind. And part of me just thinks, ugh, this whole Patty thing. It's like Patty is to Jack as Sheila was to Lauren. And in some ways, it's just, I hate it because it's just kind of making Jack look like a fool. We had a a lot of little scenes at the Christmas tree farm this week, and I thought it was kind of cute that Gloria was working there. You know, she is struggling right now. She's had a hard year. Jeff really left her hanging. He left her holding the bag. So now she has no money. She doesn't even own the restaurant in full anymore. She had to take on a partner in order to pay the debts and to keep the thing running. So she's taking this job at this little Christmas tree farm and she's trying to play it off of course. Like, oh, I'm just here sweeping up things. I'm just getting my own tree. But really she's working there. Well, she, maybe she should have picked the Christmas tree farm where all of the elites of Genoa City don't go. Like, Maybe she should have picked something on the outskirts a little bit more. But no, she's right in the center and everybody's there and um, it just kind of... Became Came revealed to Kevin that I think your mom is, is working at the Christmas tree farm So Kevin comes in And he decides to Rescue her you know they had this really I think beautiful moment between mother and son Where you know Kevin said you know what you always Took care of us during some very Rough times in your life and now It's time for us to take care of you and you know We forget that about Gloria's character I, I think she's always been a, a, a pretty Sympathetic character she got greedy after John died, trying to take part of the estate. But, you know, when she was a, a young mother, she was married to this terrible Tom character. She was always trying to protect her children. She had no money. She was constantly, you know, I mean, she she had nothing. and She was constantly struggling to raise her boys the best that she could. And, and she comes into Genoa City, and she's always kind of been one of the outcasts. She's always kind of been, you know, a pariah. Um, and she's always gotten herself into trouble. It's kind of funny because, you know, Kevin said, you know, for once, why don't you let us bail you out? and I kept thinking, they bailed her out plenty. <laughs> Notice it was Kevin bailing her out, not Michael. But, I mean, you know, this is, you know, it's a season of giving and it, the whole thing had that vibe about it. And I'm, I am, I'm still really curious to know when the heck we're going to get to see more from Jeff. Are we going to get to see more from Jeff? We had that little castaway scene last week, and I'm very, very curious to know what's going to happen when he comes back. Um, but, you know, in the meantime, I think that Kevin is going to try to look out for his mother, and we'll see how it goes, um, you know, Kevin's got a lot on his mind (laughs) right now, looking out for her, he's got this wedding that he's gonna be, you know, ugh getting involved in going getting married and all that and uh babysitting babysitting uh Angelo's daughter which gosh just she is really really funny and I I love when uh Angelina and Chloe have a scene together Angelina's just so obviously hitting on Chloe's man and Chloe's like hey they they were just talking about his jingle balls or something this week. <laughs> Like, Chloe's like, these jingle balls are mine. keep your hands off of them. I just think they're so funny together. Um, just in general, um, I think that Angelina cracks me up. She's in the background doing la, 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 la. She's, you know, the it's it's funny, and, and I like her, her her style is so um, it's just so gaudy, but I enjoy it, and uh, I think that the, I gotta look up the actress's name. I have no idea what her name is, whoever's playing Angelina, but she's a pretty good actress, too. I mean, that's not an easy thing to Pull off. I mean, it's it's coming off as cartoonish, but in a good way. And so I I, I got to look up her name so I can uh, figure it all out. And I I like her working with Devon. Devon is so very serious right now. He's serious in his music studio, and and he's got business you know, to attend to. He's trying to get distributors and, and marketers and you know, he's trying to put out her album when she sounds like Crapola. And um, it's just interesting to see, you know, him deadpan versus Angelina who's so over the top. And Yolanda stopped by this week to Devon's studio and she said, you know what, Devon, I kinda think this girl might have something, which is so ridiculous. Like I can't like there's Devon and Yolanda are sitting in the studio listen to listening to Angelina's demo. And and Yolanda's, like, trying to groove to it. She's, like, kind of snapping her fingers and moving her head and, and, like, acting like there's something to it when it's it's still terrible. <laughs> it really is still truly terrible. But... I like that she is on the scene. She is like Catherine's little sidekick now. And she is in, Yolanda's in in all the right places, you know, possibly helping Nikki with her recovery, you know, coming in, talking to Devon, coming in, talking to Neil. She's just, she's got this really cool wisdom going on about her. Like she's, she's taking it day by day with her sobriety and she's really trying to take stock of her life and get it on track and make sure she stays on the right track. And I just, I love and appreciate that about her. I love Yolanda so, so much. I keep calling her Yolanda. Why can't I call her Harmony? I Harmony is just it's not wanting to stick with me. But Harmony, we'll call her Harmony. Uh, she got a job this week, and again, I appreciate that she's not wanting anybody's handout. She wanted to go interview for her job and get it and get it legitimately, and she did. She's working at restless style. So. She's got her stuff on track. Harmony is got the Harmony thing going on. You know, her life is looking good. She's got a job. You know, she's making inroads with Devon. Actually, both Tucker and Yolanda, or Harmony, are making inroads with Devon. But she's really starting to bring things together. And I feel like now that things are coming together... Now we just need to get her laid. We need to find her a man. <laughs> who are we gonna pair up uh, with with Harmony? We got. We need. We need to get on that stat. We, uh, leave me a comment. And let me know who you think uh, her uh, her her new beau should be. Oh boy, Neil and Sophia's wedding was that the saddest wedding you've ever seen? <laughs> it was just so. Wow, it was just, uh, it might as well have had a big banner above it that said, Marriage of Convenience, which is, it, it's so disappointing because when Sophia first came onto the scene, it seemed like she and Neil had such a great connection. You know, they were working together, they were different but similar they were flirting and then they had sex and that just ruined their relationship. I mean, everything that happened with Malcolm and you know and, and Moses, it just it it ruined I think the affection that they could have had an opportunity to have together. And it, it is very disappointing, especially because The way it's being played now is that Sophia is in love with Neil, but he's not really feeling it. He's not really having it. He's doing his duty. You know, he's doing, you know, marrying her and trying to be the best father. He's doing it for Moses. But... Not really opening himself up to a loving relationship with Sophia, which is so backwards because, again, when Sophia first came into Genoa City, I always got the impression that it was a little bit of the opposite. Like, Neil kind of was starry over her, but she was in love with Malcolm. So it's it seems like the tables have turned rather dramatically. And I, I don't know, I, 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 I want them to work out. Why did we even have this wedding? Couldn't they have gotten to know each other a little bit better? It was so quicky. like, oh, the reverend's available today, let's just do it at three. Why couldn't we have waited a little bit longer and, and, like, I don't know, I just, it's... I mean, I guess it presents a different type of scenario, you know, where you grow into a marriage as opposed to a marriage kind of, uh, you know, growing into you. So um, I, I guess we're just going to have to see where it goes. And I hope that it does go in a good direction. I mean, I I feel like they could potentially fall in love with each other, but they just don't love each other like right now. I mean, not to say that there is, you know, not any... Con- not to say that they don't love each other, but just that they're not in love with each other. There's no passion. They're certainly not having sex. I mean, they just finished up their wedding, uh, and uh, I have heard nothing um, of a wedding night at all. I mean, and and even, like, when they're saying their vows they're saying you know I promise to love you and cherish you but it you can feel that there's no fire between them I mean the whole wedding ceremony served more as like foreplay for Lillian Kane than it did <laughs> for for Neil and Sophia I, you know, Neil and Sophia are exchanging their vows and Kane's like standing behind Sophia giving Lily the eh, 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 you know like wouldn't she like to get it on later <laughs> And they're remembering their vows and they're remembering their wedding and and their life together and um which I it was endearing. Lily and Kane were pretty wonderful at the time. I, I it did get me a little bit. I did enjoy the flashbacks of Lily and Kane. But more so I'm just thinking, why is this not about Neil and Sophia? I mean, I after everything was said and done, the, the ceremony was over. Everybody's congregated in the foyer of the church having champagne. And Neil walks out. Neil steps out for some fresh air. Like, oh, I just just married this chick. I gotta get... I need some air. You know, like, you can tell that he's real... I don't know what it is about Neil, but he's just real apprehensive about the whole thing. He goes to um, Devon's studio saying he's looking for Devon. But, frankly, he he walked out. And I... And he made Sophia look kind of like a fool. He made her look bad standing there with all of the wedding guests and the groom is nowhere to be found. He just left. The Tucker had to take her home. Oh, that is really bad. That is really, really bad. Um... And I'm, I'm a little ticked at Neil about that, now that I put it that way. Um, but he goes to Devon's studio, and he ends up having this little moment with Yolanda, and she tells him, you know what, don't regret this decision. You're doing what's right for your son, for your family, just keep on going. Um, but still nothing about love. And I'm kind of wondering if we're moving toward some kind of triangle, With uh, Neil and Sophia and Yolanda? I mean, Yolanda and Sophia are pretty different ladies. (laughs) Sophia likes to read her magazines, and she's very, like, into fashion in her career, and Yolanda's just street. She's just, she's, you know real, she's a real woman and again, I can't stop calling her Yolanda, shoot, but <laughs> it is what it is but I'm wondering if, if it's possible that there could be a connection between Neil and Harmony I, Harmony is the closest thing to Drusilla that we've had on the show since Drusilla, since the day Drusilla f- fell over the cliff so I am wondering if there could be a possible connection there um, but then again, I don't know, I mean Sophia and Neil have the son together, so in some way I want them to work it out. So I don't know. I'm kind of caught um, in between um, feelings here. What are your feelings on it? Leave me a comment. Let me know what you guys think. And the wind blows and a flower grows and the angels envelop the sea. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's like the Lillian Kane song. They didn't play the. Um, the vocal version of that song this week, but I never forgot it. They like they they played the background version, la 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 la. They did that during the Lillian Kane flashback memory parts of the show, but um, the vocals always stuck with me because it was just so epic. It was just interesting that that song, um, and it's in my head. But um, yeah, so. <laughs> There's a weird random little extra that you only get if you make it all the way to the end of the podcast. See, it gets better as you go along. I throw in little sneak pieces of comedy there at the end (laughs) that I hope you guys enjoy. So, oh, enough of my rambling, really. (laughs) What are you guys thinking? Uh, there's so much. There's just so much for you to comment on. So don't hold back. Give it to me straight. Uh, I I always look forward to hearing your your perspectives and there's a, a several different ways that you can give them to me. First being uh you can call in and leave me a voicemail. It's uh the telephone number is within the US. It's country code 1 and the telephone number is 309-588- 4569. Don't be shy. You can totally call and leave a voice comment. It's not even me, it's just a voicemail, so it's not like you have to you're like be weird about getting like me live or anything. Um it's just it's easy. It's totally low-key low, low pressure. Just leave a leave a couple seconds of just a couple of seconds give me a little sum it's again area code 309 588-4569 or if it's easier for you you can just go to my blog and leave me a comment at yrchatblog.blogspot.com or you can send me an email to yrchat@live.com or hey it's even it's you know christmas is coming up Holidays are coming up. You could go on to iTunes and give me a, the gift of a review. <laughs> review this podcast uh, so so other people know if it's worth listening to or not. Like, those, that's a little thing, but it does definitely make a difference, and it totally would make a difference if you would help spread the word about the podcast. Keep it alive. Keep people interested. Keep people subscribing and um, listening and feeding back. Um, so if you are involved in any YNR communities, please feel free Free to post the link to this podcast, or like just in your blog, or or tweet it out, or Facebook it, or you can even connect with me on Facebook or Twitter. Um, all of that stuff you can you know search it. But if you go to my blog, um, all my links. I'm on Google Plus now. I'm not with YNR chat, but you can look me up. Um, um, so we can connect. So let's 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 connect. Let's chat about the show outside of the podcast. Let's be friends. <laughs> Really pathetic. I didn't mean it to. <laughs> Will someone be friends with me? No, I, I'm not that lame. Um, I mean, I know I have friends, but <laughs> they don't watch YNR. <laughs> I especially love my YNR friends, so find a way to comment uh uh, holidays would be a good time to leave me a voice comment i'll just say it one more time no again no pressure but 309-588-4569 because next week uh is is a holiday so it's christmas um for me and my family, and I don't know if there's going to be a podcast. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm going to try. I'm going to try to post something, but, I mean, you know how it is, gatherings and events and all that various stuff, so it's possible that you might not hear from me next week, so prepare yourself. It's a possibility. Um... I, or I may do something in the car. I have to make a long drive, um, so maybe I'll maybe I'll just do something. But then the audio quality wouldn't be great. Well, I'll find some, if you, you may or may not hear from me. But it, either way, I will totally be thinking of you, and you can still leave me a comment. Um, even if uh, you know I haven't commented on this week's sh- on next week's show, you can comment for me, feedback to me, and I'll be looking forward to that. But either way, I'm really looking forward to hearing from you guys. So. Ooh everybody I hope you have amazing holidays and amazing weeks and never be afraid to contact me and I'll see, I'll talk to you guys next week or next time <laughs> sometime all right everybody I love you bye